When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily. Happy Friday to you. Mackie and Judd will be joined by Courtney Cronin from ESPN to discuss Dalvin Cook's workload on this episode of Purple Daily. But this month and every month throughout the year, discover Corona Hard Seltzer. It's the only hard seltzer made with Pure Beach Fives with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer, spike sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, he's been he's been good. I mean, we've you know, it's just been a typical week. Um, you know, he's he's a very uh, even even keeled, even level uh, excuse me, even level guy. Um, you know, I don't he's you know, he's got short memories, you know. We we learn from our mistakes and we move on. I mean, that's just how he's always been. Um, whether he's, you know, at the highs or lows, it doesn't matter with him, So, uh, which has been a positive. And welcome into Purple Daily. Mackie off today, so the show is Zolgad. Courtney Cronin is always on Fridays from ESPN, and of course producing is Declan Goff. And the voice you just heard uh, was that of a special teams coordinator who could not be more on the hot seat, Marwin Malouf, in this case talking not about Chris Boyd, not about coverage, not about um, muffed punts. But, Courtney, he was uh, talking, of course, about Dan Bailey and the last two weeks for Bailey. Um, Okay, it's Friday, game on Sunday. Past two weeks for Bailey have been absolutely atrocious and miserable. Mm -hmm. What is your surprise that Bailey is still this team's kicker, and what are your expectations as we get towards Zim basically crossing his fingers, closing his eyes, and saying, I really hope this works against the Bears? The surprise level at this point, after they cut their practice squad kicker on Tuesday, which tells you that guy must have been not very good. Um, (laughs) I'm not surprised at all because here's your alternative, guys. Like if you sign one of the people that they brought in for workouts, Catanzo or whatever his name is, the guy – do you know how to pronounce it? I don't. The guy who played Costanza for the Jets. or something? Uh, yeah, he he actually retired. Canizero. Canizero. And he retired um, two years ago and yes, then came out of retirement like, with the Giants for like 14 days. Like, and that, yeah. that was it again. So that sounds like that probably wouldn't have been a great idea either. But like, here's the situation. Because I remember when Zim was asked about this on Monday, 
it was like, well, do you have to roll with the practice squad killer kicker or is it? Um, just hey, that was daily? good. Good. good I slip. I, I really. <laughs> that was a perfect killer. slip. Yes. All the kickers are yeah. killers. Yes. Zim, Zim's with you on so this. True. It's a horrible Freudian slip. I'm so sorry. Um, no, no, it's okay. Do you, have to, do you have to roll with the guy in the practice squad or is Bailey like your only option? And Zim's like on Monday. Well, we have six days ish, you know, depending on when you sign him. Here's what would have happened. So when those two kickers that they brought in Monday, Tuesday, whatever day, I know they did like back-to-back workouts. Um, the clock starts on the COVID testing that day and you have to go through five days of the testing before you're eligible to be around the team on the sixth day. So if they said, sorry, Dan, you're not it. We don't trust you. It's, we got to do something else. One of the recently signed, or excuse me, if, if it was a recently signed kicker, um, that person would have literally been meeting the team in person, like handshakes, hug, no hugs, COVID. Um, but like literally face to face with your teammates and kicking in a game, having not practiced the operation in person with the same people that are going to be snapping and holding on Sunday. That sounds like a logical and good idea. No, it does not. So that's I had a feeling early in the week when they didn't cut Bailey immediately on Monday that this was going to be the situation that we were in. Um, and honestly, Dan Bailey is a good kicker. Mm-hmm. He's had a rough few weeks. Like, think about what happened with Goskowski in um, New England, obviously with Mason Crosby, has had some rough up and downs. And, and of course, people are going to scream cut him when he when kickers, considering that is your job to make field goals and extra points and kick off, obviously. but. Um, like you can't knee jerk reaction to this one that that easily and expect it to pan out the way that you expect it to. I mean, it was a totally different world in 2018 when Zim cut Daniel Carlson a day after he missed those three field goals in a tie at Green Bay because Dan Bailey A was available was early in the season. Nobody had picked him up. Like, tell me where there's good kickers that are on the free agent market right, right. now. You can't find any. Like anybody that's like oh, this guy was kicking for so-and-so team and was really good this year because he would have a job, wouldn't you think? Yes. So, I mean, and the thing with Bailey was, let's not forget, it was a contract thing. Because the guy behind him um, was, you know, I think there was, I think Bailey had to either take a pay cut or something else. Somebody's getting paid a lot of money. So it wasn't like he was a bad kicker. Yes, he did have the groin injury in Dallas, and that probably led to some of, I think in 2017, that was probably like, you know, one reason for Dallas to be like, we're going to move on. But Dan Bailey was one of like the most accurate kickers in NFL history at the time. I can't tell you where he ranked. And he went into the Tampa Bay game as one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history, the sixth most accurate, even after the bad performance against Jacksonville. So I will give Zim credit on this. I think that he's learned from not making knee-jerk reactions, not saying things that will literally destroy a kicker's confidence with a chip shot comment with Blair Walsh, which was not received well, obviously. Um, the did you see the game? thing with Daniel Carlson like he's treating Dan Bailey who he really likes like Zim can't fake it if he doesn't like somebody he's gonna he's gonna stumble through an answer a lot of pauses and he's gonna just try to fake it but he's a bad liar which I really like about him um because I can always tell like what's true and what's not he likes Dan Bailey and he, he respects Dan Bailey that's the number one thing but he also said you know he was disappointed in him he should have made those kicks and it's going to be a pressure cooker on Sunday. Like the first time that he trots out there for an extra point, or if Zim even lets him go for an extra point um, after a touchdown or a field goal, like it's going to be a very highly pressurized situation. 
Let's get get to a topic that is uh, near and dear, Courtney Cronin, to your heart, because it probably it probably goes to at least part of the conversation of what's gone wrong here, because this was this was one spot that for a while was absolutely fine. Uh, And that is your position. Long snapper. Mm -hmm. How, How much do we think the insistence on on cutting a struggling he's out and we're going to bring a guy in um, mixed or fooled with the chemistry of what cutting and Cole quit and Bailey had. I'm not saying that it was perfect, but it definitely was a chemistry that probably had been worked on and was altered pretty mightily by the fact that you cut cutting and brought in a new long snapper. Let's think about what happened in 2019 preseason. Um, They had Kevin McDermott on the roster. He was the veteran long snapper. And that was the year that they had drafted Austin Cutting with their final pick in the seventh round. They used an actual pick on a long snapper. So we go into training OTAs, mini camp, training camp, knowing that there's going to be a long snapping battle. Obviously, I'm thrilled. I think it's great. I think it's great for the sport. I think long snapping is something that should be taken seriously. Um, But that was... I mean, think about up until like the first few weeks of training camp when fans were there and then it became like true preseason, like week three on like, I think August 12th, 2019 will be the day that lives in infamy forever when they sign Kari Vedvik and they bring him in here. And then you still have Matt Weil as your holder. And this is pre Britain Colquitt, like Dan Bailey, I remember got banished to a side field to go kick field goals by himself one day. Um, That was in like in training camp. And it was just like, all of this stuff could have been avoided because you brought in is too many cooks essentially. And they were trying to figure it out. I didn't think anything was wrong with Kevin McDermott other than the fact that he lost half a digit in Los Angeles by getting his finger ripped off in someone's helmet the year before. I mean, tough the guy played through it. The guy's an absolute warrior, but um, you know, it's the long snapping operation there clearly was something that like, you know, they were messing around with tinkering with. When you have an issue with it, it's like, let it sort itself out. Like, I feel like they need jerked reaction with the McDermott and the cutting thing. I think they need jerk reaction with Revet very obviously. Yep. Um, so it's to me, it's Austin cutting. Let's like, when you look at Dan Bailey's struggles, you got to go back to that. When he got co he was on the COVID-19 list, um, you know, missed that whole week of practice, obviously didn't look great in the game. And then he gets released not there, not long thereafter. Yes, they did bring in Andrew DiPaolo, who's a veteran. He's like 33 years old. He's been doing this a long time. So you think, okay, you have like a lot of really good specialists that are older, more experienced. But like that timing, like that stuff that those dudes worked on during the, you know, truncated training camp that they had this year. And they had already been together for a whole year. I mean, Dan Bailey doesn't get a three-year extension. Britton Colquitt doesn't get a three-year extension. If back in March, they didn't think that those were the guys that they wanted long-term. And it's not now that, oh, we realized we made a mistake. I think it's, man, the timing with the long snapping and, and long snapping became an issue. That's kind of what I feel like has been the That's a big deal. Problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, this brings it full circle to my biggest concern about this game. And it's not Bailey. It's not the kicking. It's not even the team itself on the field. It's what I saw. And I'm not joking here. It's what I saw Wednesday press conference from, from Zim. Okay. Yeah, uh, all five minutes of yeah, it. Yeah, but the problem is, Courtney, you can't. If you're that, if you are that tightly wound, okay. In my opinion, I get it. that translates to that. That's just not how he treats you. 
So if if he could turn that off and go into his team and be like, hey, we're going to be fine. That's great. Mm-hmm. But he probably can't. Um, my biggest concern about this Bears game is if Mike is truly wound as tightly and seems almost as as anxious as he does, I think that's a problem. And, and I'm sure yeah. there's, you know, the, the loss to the Bucks was tough. The kicking was tough. Um, I know that there are things that he's probably mightily disappointed in, but I don't think that we can dismiss that press conference because to me, that press co- conference is a window into how he's acting and feeling. And that's not a guy that translates to confidence to his team. And we've seen this Zim before. And I don't remember the Vikings playing a really good game after we've seen this Zim. I'd love to do a case study on that, honestly, Judd, and like go back and like look over other instances of where that happened because I think that that would probably reveal like you know how he how was Mike Zimmer this Wednesday? What was the result on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I think he's he's obviously concerned about it because he came all this way just to let kicking in your special teams derail all the progress that you made. Like, let's not forget, like they've made a lot of progress this year. Like they've worked hard. Like you can't take that away from them, even if you think that they should have torn everything apart at the trade deadline and, you know, built for 2021, whatever he's, he's been in a spot where he's done one of the best, like most difficult coaching challenges of his career. And I, I give him a lot of credit because that's not easy when you're bringing in cornerbacks off the street once a week and having injuries and all the other stuff that you have to deal with. Like, that's a tough challenge. It's got to be one of the hardest things you've ever done as a coach. It's not like you have Deion Sanders or, you know, Darren Woodson and like all these, you know, even like last year, I mean, God, like, don't you think he'd probably be like, man, bring me back Mackenzie Alexander and all of his nonsense and Trey Waynes and all that stuff. I'll gladly take Xavier's uh, weekly third quarter cramping injury over all the stuff he's had to deal with this year, because at least they were like really decent last year outside of some moments. But it's like, careful what you wish for. So I think it's it's kind of this like gut check moment of they're one game away, essentially. Like, yeah, they may not theoretically, like statistically be knocked out of the playoffs if they lose this weekend of the Bears, but kind of are. Yeah. So I think it's kind of one of those moments where it's like, it can't come down to this. This can't be the reason that we don't make the playoffs because it's poetic justice at that point of just like, the universe being like, we're going to send all these demons down on you because it's happened to him so many times. Like, I'd be frustrated too. If it was always the same thing that screwed me over. Um, yeah. And but to his credit, I do think he's learned at least, and he's dealt with it better than he has in previous years. But the second that he trots out there and I mean, he's kicking at home. Like he was, he missed a couple kicks. He missed two field goals um, against, the Jaguars and obviously an extra point. And then, you know, he goes down, he's in an open air environment, outdoor stadium, warm weather in Tampa Bay. Like just being back at home. Is it better because you're inside of a dome? I don't know. No like, fans but I just helps. Think, I mean, right. Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> but like, that's a stressful situation regardless of where you are. Hey, t- talk to, to me about a story that you just wrote for ESPN.com about uh, Dalvin Cook about the curse of 370 because I find it to be very intriguing and yeah. uh, Phil and I have talked about this but not in depth with the research that you did with what uh, Dalvin Cook's 2020 workload might mean Dalvin Cook 2021 and beyond 
it's pretty amazing. I'm actually going to pull up some of the data now that you, so I can like reference it while I'm talking. Um, like the, the thing that I found was it's an obvious thing. So like my, my colleague, Kevin Seifert, actually, he and I were talking on Wednesday and we were talking about this theory called the theory of three, seven or the curse of 370. And it was developed by Aaron Schatz of football outsiders, but it's something that was like, um, you know, back in 2004, like it was talked to, like he looked at everybody who had 370 carries, 70 touches, excuse me, on their body at that point. And so uh, was able then to project out what happened the next year. Like does, does wear and tear in one year running some guy into the ground? What does that mean for the next year? Cause the obvious thing is, man, I just got the crap kicked out of me for a whole season. I'm not going to come back as fresh. So I looked at that. I, I considered the theory cause it hasn't it looked in some research, it hasn't really written about a lot in the last few years. So I'm kind of like, well, why? It's like, well, maybe teams realize this is not what you should do, but Then I looked at Dalvin Cook and kind of thought, okay, well, what's the intriguing thing here? Kind of like what I just said with the kicking thing. Like, sure, the Vikings are trying to to get their way into the playoffs these last three games, but if they ride Cook to get there or if they ride Cook and they don't, it's all for nothing. It's useless. Where are you then? Because you're projecting out 2021. You're like, man, like all these unnecessary touches that we gave him at a point where our season was out of reach. Like if they lose this weekend, I really hope that they just kind of put him on ice, like let him play a little bit, but like run Alexander Madison. You want to run the fullback? Go for it. If you're out of the playoffs, doesn't matter. Like, you know, do things like that. But because, because there are people, it it, it just, it's different people who want different things and and have different agendas because this is a run first team. As long as Mike Zimmer is going to be here, it's not going to change, which I'd love to talk with you about how we're going to see potentially Jeff, uh, Stefan Diggs part two with Justin Jefferson in a year or two, because that's going to happen. I promise you. I agree. Um, but Absolutely. to, I'll get back, I'll get to that. Cause I have a lot of thoughts. Um, but back to like, so cook has 300 touches right now on his body. Um, that is the second most in the NFL. It's the first, he, he played a game less than everybody else because he missed week six because of the groin injury. So he leads the league in touches per game, has 310 touches on his body through 12 games. I was like, how did that project out for guys who had that previously and then the following year? And it's not an exact science, which I kind of, I'm wondering, do we need to consider the era of the NFL in which some of these running backs were doing this back in the 90s? Like, were defense, like, that's honestly a question I'd love to raise to people because, you know, we talk about, you know, with, with, with Priest Holmes back in, I'm looking at the data now, in 2002, he had 337 carries. And then the fo- in 2002, following year, he played all 16 games. He had 394 touches. And then from scrimmage, 2,110 yards. And he led the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Like, do we need – and obviously, LaDainian Tomlinson is a freak too. He did the same sort of thing. But then you go down, like – uh, Edron James, for example, 99, he had 330 through 12 games um, in 2000. Or, um, yeah, I'm looking at, sorry, it's like really small numbers. I look sound like an idiot right now. Edron, Edron James had the same sort of thing where he had like multiple ligaments torn in his knee, but it didn't come until the third season. He did it like in back-to-back years. And then it was the third season that he was limited to like two games because he tore two ligaments in his right knee after back-to-back years where by the point of 12 games, he had 310 touches. Le'Veon Bell did it to, uh, in 2017 and 2018. 
Well, we're not talking about that because he didn't even play football because there was a contract dispute in 2019. So it's not an exact science, but like there are multiple examples. Look at Christian McCaffrey at yeah. 403 touches last year. And he hasn't played because he's had two injuries that he's been dealing with. And got paid Arian too. Fo- and got paid. Yeah. Arian Foster got paid in 2012, did the same thing. Yep. Um, and was, you know, he was done with his career at that point after that. And then I actually thought it was kind of interesting, but then I was like, come on, Courtney, think, be smart. I was like, why is Adrian on this list? Adrian Peterson. I'm like, well, he couldn't catch the ball. So like that makes sense as to why he didn't have 300. He never had the 310 touch threshold through 12 games uh-huh. because of other circumstances and just the role that he had. But I say all of this to say, I wrote the entire article to say, like, look at this list of guys, like how many careers ended because of that and because of the workload. And it's like, you can't, like, let, let's think about this logically. Like, you're getting the bleep kicked out of you every single week. And Dalvin is a hoss. He is one of the best running backs in the league. He has fought his ass off to get back to this point. I commend him. But I'm also trying to think about this logically and think, the wear and tear. You get older. We're not getting any younger here. None of us. including I don't care what your workout regimen is. Some guys are just athletic freaks. I don't know what Adrian Peterson does. But yeah. Can I, can I, it's too much of an outlier for me to say Dalvin can do the exact same thing. He'll be playing until he's 36. Too much. I will not do that. So the way that I look at it is you have to factor in, look at all the wear and tear in his body this year. Look at what it may or may not lead to. Is it really worth the seventh seed? I don't know. You have to ask yourself that if you're the Vikings. It is to Mike Zimmer. (laughs) That's that's the answer to your question. Sure. But like long term. And and that's just it's a it's a conundrum because like obviously you want to win you can't just give up if you have the light of the playoffs if you see light at the end of the tunnel it's the playoffs right um but you know not not relying on other people not relying on a Justin Jefferson doing right. things like that like you're going to kill this guy and he's not going to be the same guy you've spent all this money yes you have an out in 2023 where it can basically be like a three year twenty seven million dollar deal by the time it's all said and done you can cut him at that point. But why'd you pay him? Why'd you do all this if, like, I don't know. And I mean, nobody, paying, nobody and, can tell the future. And you're paying, you're paying your quarterback huge money not to feature him. That's what that's what does not make, make sense. Um, but, no, I think I think your points are, are, are valid and perfect. And if Cook plays in 16 games in 2021, I'll be absolutely shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Vikings clearly decided at some point, Probably, you know, when they won what one of the first six games during that bye week, they decided yep. that they were going to shoot their shot with one guy. Um, and and yeah, it's going to come back and bite them. But this also goes back to why, you know, the Panthers or the Vikings or any team, Courtney, have to be so careful about paying these guys. Because like Cook had the one great year, but this might be the one great year. And you don't know. Yeah. And you don't know, and that's what makes these guys so incredibly dicey, is that if you do what the Vikings are doing, you are going to wear them down. And and aside from very few people, there's almost no way around that. There is when you have two really good receivers and a rookie star who is becoming what you probably only could dream he would be at this point in his career. I think there are multiple reasons to believe that there are ways around this. There's one football, which is bringing up my Justin Jefferson point. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't 
like I, I read the Stefan Diggs article that ESPN did. I saw the feature on Countdown. And obviously, I think it was smart that it, this came out when it did. Um, and, and him kind of walking through the decision to want to get traded, to want to get out there, that it wasn't all – I mean, he's going to say it's not Cousins. Clearly, Cousins had part of it because we've seen meltdowns from Diggs before of like not – you know, when he's checking down to the fullback on third down. Like I would probably melt down too if I was of the talent of Stefan Diggs and not getting the football. But – it changed week 15, 2018. John Filippo had been fired. They had been forcing this wacky run-pass uh, ratio that was just, you know, it was Mike Zimmer and Filippo at, he- at coming to a head with each other. Um, but the first eight, nine, ten weeks of the season, Diggs was the happiest person in that locker room. Adam Thielen's the one getting 100 catches, 100 receiving yards per game, but Stephon Diggs was getting the ball. And then he goes to a point where he signs the contract, obviously before the 2018 season, um, cause he saw who his offensive coordinator was. And then they pivot week 15 with Kevin Stefanski running, you know, an offense that's very run heavy. And then obviously hiring Gary Kubiak, the whole thing, you saw how it panned out last year. I don't blame Diggs at all. I just wonder, you going to let history repeat your repeat itself here, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Cause just cause golden, just cause golden retriever, Justin Jefferson right now, who wants to please everybody and is doing a hell of a job doing it. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if after the rookie newness wears off and the niceness wears off, if he gets pissed too, because I can't blame him if he does. Um, You can't bring these guys in and say like, you know, this is the, this is 2020. Don't have receivers like that. If you want to run the ball that much, because eventually, I mean, emotions and feelings, I know that like football is not supposed to have those, but we clearly do. Um, Guys are going to be worried about their careers. Stephon Diggs took his career into his hands. Very few players can do that. Why? Because there's no guaranteed contracts for the majority of this league. He is an elite player. He has an elite, you know, representation, you know, big power agents. Uh, He was able to do that. Not everybody else could. And he set an example to be like, if it's not going my way, I see like my window to be an awesome NFL player to do something great. If it's, if I can't capitalize on it with one team, I got to go. I got to get out of here. And, yeah, I, you know, that sets a precedent that, you know, don't be surprised if, if things continue this way in Minnesota. Don't be surprised if you see this with Justin Jefferson down the line, because I would I would be upset, too. His payday, too, Courtney. Like he, he eventually is going to say my and he's right. My second contract should be huge. Absolutely. And yet I am. And yet there are games where I'm going to catch four passes against Tampa. Or be targeted. Yeah, be tor- targeted like five times. And my first one doesn't come until the second quarter. Are you kidding exactly. me? Like. It, and don't give me the excuse of like, oh, they were covered. But Scheme Kirk, them open. But the other like, thing too, though, that drives me crazy. Kirk can make those throws, and Kirk knows that Kirk. And I know they're dangerous, and they might get picked off. But what drives me nuts is, well, two safeties high, they can't do it. Yes, they can. You're an NFL quarterback making millions. Be you need to be asked to make th- those throws. You know, if we were talking about the uh, intended targets being a couple of uh, you know Tajay Sharps, okay, then I get it. He's not going to catch the ball. It's going to get picked. That's bad. But Jefferson and Thielen are A level receivers. Absolutely. And all you and you need to ask Kirk as your as your uh, multi million dollar quarterback. You need to make th- these throws, and I think Kirk can make th- those throws. And I think that he's made them to Thielen. He's made them to, to uh, Jefferson, and he made them to Diggs too. So that drives me nuts that we get these these approaches of well, we have to run two safety. No, you don't. No, you can throw the ball. It's okay to throw the ball. So. 
All right. I agree. And, and I hope we see that against the Bears because yeah. that's A, better better for Dalvin Cook long term and probably how you're going to have to win this game because we saw, I mean, they they still ran Dalvin Cook a ton, even though, like, you know, for a while he was averaging under three yards a carry when Akeem Hicks was in the game. But well, we'll got, see. I mean, he got his ass kicked, too. They were beating him to hell. So that's that's kind of the one of the few first times we're like, man, he's really going to be feeling that one. Exactly right. Great, great stuff, Courtney. Appreciate it as always. Uh, Declan Goff producing, great job as well. Phil out today. Zolgad. Uh, we we will of course be back on Sunday. Viking vent line right after the game, uh, so that you can chime in on whatever happens against the Bears. We will talk to you soon.